It's Just Business with Steve Thomas and your host, Chris Larry. Welcome to another episode of It's Just Business on the Hogside Network, the show where we look at the dollars and the cents of the sports media business industrial complex. And, uh, you know, I know we live in a global world, Steve. I know the sun sets and, 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 and rises and things happen. Seasons are different in different parts of the globe. But at least in the corner of the world where the Hogside Network HQ resides, the sun seems to be coming up. The air smells a little bit sweeter. Uh, the mold is somewhat receding from uh, the basement. It seems like a bit of a new day, Steve. How you doing? It does seem like kind of a new day. Now, before you get into that, though, so I told you, everybody, I told you, Chris, last week that I was going to go see Ace Fraley in concert. Ah, yes. So I messed up. I accidentally missed this show. Oh, so, my God. Yeah, it was an accident. So I thought in the back of my head that it was Saturday. And so I might, because I'm cheap and, you know, I don't like spending money, was going to wait till the bitter end to buy a ticket, buy tickets to this thing. Uh, because sometimes they price it down, you know, and, and shows don't sell out. So I'm sitting around Friday night, like, okay, well, it's probably time. And it was like 9.30. And I realize, thanks to Ticketmaster, this show is ongoing at the moment. <laughs> Not tomorrow, that night. So I missed Ace Fraley. And so I was uh, I was greatly distressed that that happened, unfortunately. So I do not have an Ace Fraley concert report due to my own negligence, my when own I, scheduling I, negligence. When you first set that up as a mistake, I was I was wondering if, if by, uh, you show up at the venue, but you had mistakenly uh, bought tickets to see Vinnie Vincent and not Ace Fraley. <laughs> It wasn't a drag show, okay? <laughs> so that does suck, man. Because I, I, I would, of all of your recent concert outgoing uh, concert visits, this was the one I would have probably a hundred percent gone to. So I was looking forward to this report. Oh yeah, I was excited. I was happy. I was excited to see it, and I it was just like I, I sat there going, "Oh man, it was Friday. I don't know. I just I had planted it in my head Saturday." Uh, you know, but at least I didn't waste money on it. At least I didn't buy a ticket thinking it was the wrong day. So that made right, yeah, happy. right. That would have been that would have been the double double pain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so no concert report. And on um, the other one, I'm going to miss that one. I'm going to be out of town for Ingve Malmsteen, so I'm going to miss that one too. So no concert report for that one either. Well, you know, come on, we need more hair, uh, '80s hair metal through Houston area, so Steve can have more options to pick from. I'm just going to have to go see Jason Aldean or something. Ay, ay, ay. Um, <laughs> you don't want to touch that one, do you? No, I'm not, I'm not, going, to, I'm not going to Jason Aldean. I'm thinking Although, I'm going to become a Jason Aldean groupie and just follow him around the country. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would figure. But to my defense, I loathed Jason Aldean long before the last couple of weeks. Um, I'm not a bro country, you know, like bro country fan, actually. But, I mean, I support him in all this controversy very much so. But I don't know if I could tolerate the music for more than five minutes at a time. Uh, yeah, it's rough. Um, on pure aesthetics. Um, but on Ace, back to, quickly to Ace Freely, anybody who knows anything about Kiss does understand that he had easily the only redeemable solo album in there for original member solo album excursion. Well, it was the only one that was actually like legitimate music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, Paul Stanley's a weirdo, you know, we are in uh, Dean Simmons's album was strange. And, you know, Peter Chris is jazz drummer masquerading as a rock drummer and just weird. And, and, you know, it's weird that period of kiss too, the coming off the elder, which by it's gotta be one of the biggest faux pas of any artist's, in the history of modern music, you know, they, sure. have, they had an it interesting just, producer for that. Who it destroyed their career, though. It really did. I can't remember who the producer was, but it, I mean, you could go to like that weird rock album that Garth Brooks put out. Maybe is about the only thing I could think of that's in the ballpark of the Elder. I tried to listen to it a while ago, a few weeks ago, and I couldn't get through it. 
Chris is now obsessed with finding. He's typing. He's obsessed with finding the producer of the Elder. Yeah, because yeah, I know. I know there's a. I know the legend of that album. To a degree. Oh, Bob Ezrin, right? Oh, Bob yeah. Ezrin did that. Bob Ezrin, yeah, for those who don't know, is a major rock producer from decades and decades and decades ago. Yeah, I thought they did something. I, 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 right. So that actually, you know, that that makes sense. It's that I thought it was like maybe they gotten someone like Brian Eno or somebody. I thought there was somebody a little stranger that helped to ruin that record for them. But no, Bob Ezrin. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So they ruined it themselves because I think Ezrin's done their Kiss albums. But yeah, but but Ace Fraley is, I would assume, probably wrote most of the riffs for for all those Kiss songs. Oh, 100%. Paul and Gene would never admit it because they hate him, but it's it's probably him. Yeah, especially from the riff part. I imagine some of the melodies were definitely Stanley and, um, and Simmons. Gene. Yeah, but, yeah, but the riffs, but, uh, yeah, because Paul yeah. Stanley is not that good a guitar player. I mean, no, no, he's a rhythm guitar player. He's a he's man. barely a rhythm guitar player. Yeah. Okay, I play guitar. <laughs> um, uh, well, uh, you, you, I I played some guitar in my life, uh, and I prefer bad guitar players. Steve, you would probably not be uh, you'd be unsurprised to learn. <laughs> Well, it fits it. <laughs> you like what you know, right? Yeah, there you go. Um, but yes, his cover of "Back in the New York Groove" is is a all time banger. Ace Freely. So, I have only myself to blame for missing this thing. Well, there you go. Um, so, Steve. So the, the people are ravenous. They do not care about our opinions of uh, uh, tertiary guitar players for uh, yes over the years. Um, so. Uh, big news this week in the world of sports, the world of sports business, in the world of the show, in the world of Washington area uh, sports, in the world of the NFL, in the world of, you know, coming together for to root for bad people to leave your lives, you know, although maybe not with $6 billion of going away money. Hey, you know, don't go away, you mad, just go away. It's, yeah. it's that. And the immortal words of Motley Crue, <laughs> just go away. Yeah, nice. Yeah, that, that's an interesting point, Steve. So we go to what you know. I, I have, I think I've even said on the show that you know I do understand the existential questioning that is you know having to root for maybe your least favorite human being alive to get six billion dollars, which is essentially what many of us were doing over these uh, last few months. But you you can't really care about that, right? It's like almost like as a fan of a team, it's not it's not like it was your money to lose when a free agent. Fans out, you know, like flames out. Who cares, right? It's not your money. That's kind of where I'm at on this, right? The the value to my life, um, you know, I can't be worried. He was already rich, right? He was already a, a level of rich that I can't even understand. So what, you know, this just improves that by degrees that my brain can't even compute. Yeah, so, okay, here we go. I had my first Fourier into Twitter in at least a month after this happened, I posted one comment Thursday night and I, this goes along with what you're talking about. Here's what I wrote. I think of the generations of family bonding around football, rooting for Washington for multiple lifetimes turned to rubble under the reign of an egomaniac. And it mostly makes me sad. Let's let's celebrate Snyder's departure today. And then never think about the bastard again. My point is with that is relative to your comment. I, I don't care. Take whatever money you have. Do whatever you want. It doesn't matter. You're gone. You're out of the lives of sports fans. Take your money and go. I, I, I don't care whatsoever about the fact that he made $6 million. That's my thing. Right. You, you got to hate this. You know, you got you to gotta hate the... Hate- hate the game, not the player here, right? Like, if that's your critique. Because there's no world in which him exiting, even in the worlds in which the owners forced him out, right? They kind of twisted his arm and walked him to the door, which, by the way, which we can speak out in a minute. I, they may actually have been a little closer than we would have guessed a couple months ago, quite frankly, uh, to that. And that may have been part of the end game here. But he's still getting paid in that scenario, too, right? There was... Oh, short some kind of insane criminal investigation that you know they could pull his assets which i don't you know i, I don't even not sure that's a world exists he was get there was no doorway out for him where he wasn't gonna get his pockets filled no i mean it's not a disney movie you know i mean yeah. he owned a valuable asset it's despite his best efforts it's dramatically increased in value and if he was gonna leave he was gonna get paid and you guys are gonna have to get over it and my point with the post i put on twitter is just it's not worth 
stressing yourself out over. At the end of the day, it's football. It's supposed to be entertainment. There's a new owner. Just let Dan Snyder go. Do not torture yourself mentally stressing out over the fact that he made $6 billion because it's just not worth it. He's gone. If you're a fan of the Washington fan franchise, just enjoy the future and forget about him. I trust you. Trust me, it'll be much better off. And, and I mean, it's not so... In conjunction with the sale, the closing of the sale, the Mary Jo White report was released, and we found out that Danny was fined $60 million, which is a bargain, incidentally, because they had planned for $250 million in the purchase and sale agreement, as we found out. Um, the Mary Jo White report it, it included a couple things. It wasn't very long, and it went into facts and stuff, but the conclusions were, one... They sustained the allegation of Tiffany Johnson that he grabbed her leg under a table and tried to force her into a car. That was sustained. They sustained the 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 idea that um so I can't remember the name. Somebody took an illicit photograph of Miss Johnson in some state of undress and passed it to Snyder. They did not sustain the fact that Snyder asked for that photo. They sustained the idea that the team moved money around to avoid having to share it with the rest of the NFL. And they sustained the fact that Snyder knew about it, but not that he ordered it. That was sort of the fundamental basis. That was the fundamental conclusions of the White Report. It's not. It's no accident that it was released when it was. So what we know is that the holdup of releasing the report, which at one point the NFL said didn't exist, remember, um, was done in conjunction with settling all the claims against Snyder. So your thoughts on that? Let's start there. Yeah, this is sort of what I was referencing a few minutes ago that I think, you know, obviously NFL's been sitting on a version of this report. What what we guess? Like, and I know Snyder talked to her recently and apparently said very little and just proved himself, probably helped make her case anyway on this on the stuff she sustained with his, you know, obstinance and well, she's his been doing this for what, two years? I mean, yeah. has it been? It's been a while. Yeah. So I think the, she, the final report, I mean, months at least at a minimum. Right. So I think the NFL had my point is the NFL has had this as a cudgel, let's say, since, you know, for the better part of this this calendar year. Let's call right. it that. Fair so um, so I think this was motivating, you know, because we all you know, we all went, OK, well, well, that, you know, some of this felt like it happened so slow. But then you really if you look at it, that's just because we were living it hour to hour, day to day. But if you look at it, these things happen fast since when was that November when the the kind of were, you know, entertaining sale options or whatever. Right. So that's fast for a six billion dollar deal, you know, you know, from November to July. For I've said before, I've deal. done deals that have gone on for year and a half, two years, and they've just been a few million. Right. So if we step back and have perspective, this was lightning fast. So um, what motivated that? And I think we're starting to find, I think this found out, and you found out that, you know, the, the sort of the reporting from the last few weeks and even the last couple of days about them being some, you know, kind of like rocky things at the finish line was to get this right, get probably get that down to that $60 million number that Snyder could live with and probably even some negotiation on the language. And quite frankly, the brilliant data dump of how they did this, they, they, she, you know, this was all handled within minutes of the vote changing. So you have to I have to say and there's some real kind of like kudos and critique of the NFL here, obviously. But they you, they really you know, this is why Goodell gets the 45 million or whatever, because this is a high wire act. And I have to say they walked that high wire pretty good dumping that report when they did tagging the fine to the announce all of that that was some masterwork pr um but i think and the nfl showed its hand it said we had we had the dry power to get this guy and that's why this actually moved to act, moving to smooth and that's why josh harris is shaking hands today yeah it was leverage it was they used it as 100 clearly went to him and said buddy we've got this here's what it says and we're going to disclose this if you don't sell it and furthermore, I would be willing to bet that they told him to go away last season. That's just why he's been floating around on a boat for a year. Because you know, nobody's, you know, he's not a pirate. You know, he doesn't probably <laughs> doesn't want to live on a boat, you know, all this time. But clearly, uh, we know. And again, you're 100 percent right. It's a it was a planned 
executed strategy coordinated probably by Roger Goodell and a couple owners would be my guess. They had this report. They used it against him. They said, if you don't sell, we're going to embarrass you publicly, and it's not going to be a $60 million fine. We're going to make you sell your team as a distressed ad. We're going to force you out, which they can do under the NFL Constitution. It would be sold as a distressed asset. He would have gotten a lot less than the $6 billion that he got, and he's going to be embarrassed on a national stage. And also, by the way, give Tiffany Johnston um, – a free pass to file a lawsuit against him, you know, if you want to go there and a free pass for the owners to pursue, um, monies from him in particular for hiding, um, um, shared revenue, all of that. And so that was the leverage. And so now we know what happened. This was done sometime last year. They said, Danny, we have the report. You're going to sell and get the hell out or we're going to embarrass you publicly. And so what we saw what this what that report was released like the same shortly after the the, the closing seconds and, yeah and <laughs> yeah. so they did it they got it all out there and the next day they moved on they had magic johnson show up in dc and magic's mr charisma and talk and it's over and the nfl has moved on in a second it's kind of like you know when your kid is hurt and he or she is like cut his arm and uh, you know, and, and you've got a bandaid on there and uh, you know, you got to rip it off and it's going to tear his the hair on his arm or her arm. You just rip it off and be done. And it's over. That's, they ripped the bandaid off and it, I mean, it shows you why the, the, it shows you the NFL really knows what they're doing. It's what it shows. Yeah, no, I, I still think Goodell's in some, I still think the Gruden emails is just, it's, it's, we're going to be talking about it so much. It's a ticking time bomb. There's still a lot of risk wrapped up there. But that risk now kind of consolidates with the Gruden emails. But does anybody and, surprise you? Does it, does it surprise you at all that a bunch of meathead football players are emailing around? like No, no. I think, I'm just talking stuff. about the cover. I'm just talking about the cover-up and the leverage using of the leaks. I'm just oh, talking okay. about the lawsuit. I, the content of the emails is, A, unsurprising, and B, not the point, I think, at this point. It's just the you know how much backroom dealing with Snyder and all that did – Goodell engage in that puts him in the league at risk. And it could have been just Goodell. Take the trash out. Yeah. It had to have been some of the owners who did this to him. Oh, yeah. It could have just been Goodell. And that's why I think when, if and when he takes the fall from that, that will be coordinated too. It'll be his last act of protecting the owners. Wait, wait, wait. If who takes the fall for that? If Goodell Goodell takes the fall for that, it'll be, you know, it'll be, that will be even be coordinated with those, uh, maybe a cabal of owners, but that he's, his last heroic act is falling on the sword of that, protect the owners, get paid and walk off into the sunset. Maybe, but I think Roger Goodell has gotten, should should get a lot of credit for what's happened. Oh, I agree. I agree. So he's kind of built up his own credibility. I don't know if he's going to have to take a fall for it. Because unless anything, think about it. I mean, nobody's thought about those emails for a while, except in conjunction with Snyder. Now Snyder's gone. It's over. And, and by the way, I mean, we'll get to this, but it's no accident that they had a big PR event in D.C. You know, on Friday about this. It's not. It was hypothetical, I think, for a training camp thing. But, but all yeah. of that is coordinated. Yeah. <laughs> it, what it really is is, you know, look over shiny new toy over here. And I, I, I'm thinking that the NFL probably hopes that the email thing is over. Unless something else comes out, like something that's so horrible that they have another, you know, like whistleblower that says something. I'm thinking the NFL probably thinks they've dodged the bullet on the e- whatever else is in the emails. Well, they haven't dodged the Gruden lawsuit. That's my point. Like, which- yeah, but, I, but, but wait for it to be settled. Look for that to be settled. Now we're past Snyder. They pay off Gruden, confidentiality agreement associated with with settlement. It's over. Yeah, no, I agree. I, that's I, I, my point is that of the it, two weeks ago, Goodell had some, you know, two or three fronts of very existential risk. He's to your point, he's masterfully sliced two thirds of that risk away, yeah. and it's sort of consolidated into handling this Gruden lawsuit, which is connected to all this. But that's that's his last emergency center. Yeah. Now, if well, the the monkey wrench could come if Gruden, who's already fabulously wealthy in his own right, doesn't really care about the money and wants to make a point and refuses to settle, <laughs> and instead goes to trial and testifies, 
and then then you probably have Roger Goodell as a as a witness on the stand. You'd probably have Bruce Allen as a witness on the stand. Uh, right. God knows who else. Then it could all fall apart for sure. But it, I think it would take John Gruden to want to do that to make it fall apart. Well, that was the interesting part of that that Vanetta story from a couple weeks ago about the Gruden email leak and how that basically was the, you know, boomerang that smacked Snyder in the face, which, you yeah. know, we haven't touched, which is just hysterical in so many levels. Um, and he just so himself. on brand. <laughs> it's so yeah. on brand on every level. Anyway, in that article, it Vanetta and, and his co-writers in that do kind of hint and say that Gruden's at least saber rattling that he's willing to do exactly what you say. He's like, this isn't, this is a blood feud. Now, We'll see, right? Like, but the, his Gruden side is at least pushing that narrative that they're willing to go the distance. Sounds like a negotiation tactic, though. Uh, you know, I Most mean, you likely. can't just go in there. And go, oh yeah, we're we're fine with settling. I mean, that's not how business negotiations work. You know, so I know what you're saying, but I'm skeptical because also, I mean, whatever else is in those emails, I'm going to take a guess and say it doesn't make Gruden look very good either. Probably. Right, you know, um, and if you intentionally tank your former bosses, who's ever going to hire you ever again? Well, Even I think to be like a commentator or whatever. I mean, who's that he's probably t- untouchable right now anyway. But, but, I mean, everything fades away in time. Uh, you know, I did, I did find it interesting that the biggest kind of lead up story right before the announcement of the official NFL vote was Jay Gruden on, I think, Grant and Danny's show or the Junkies or something spilling more gossip about how involved Snyder was in the player person. Did you see this story? I have not seen that. Let's let's hear it. So Jay Gruden, who, you know, is kind of definitely going after a media career. He's definitely become a favorite in the Washington area, go-to. You know, he's a he, for all the reasons we know. I don't need to get into it. But he went on Grant and Danny on like the Thursday at like whatever noon, like so before the vote. And he went deeper than he ever had. He's hinted at this before, but how involved Snyder was in the draft room and in the player personnel decision making, you know, and talking about how he would never watch film. He would ignore or miss meetings with scouts where they tried to at least debrief him. Right. And he would just walk. So the most explicit anybody that was on the football side has ever said about how involved Dan Snyder was with decision-making. And also, by the way, remember that it was the Jay Gruden years that, you know, the real dumbass fans were always like, no, Snyder stepped away from making decisions. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so, and it's unsurprising to me, and that was a, that national NFL media picked that story up, by the way, the, it's unsurprising to me that, Gruden Jr. is out there lobbing, you know, continuing to lob. But like that was also coordinated to me. So it's just sort of interesting. This, you know, the Jay Grudenness of this all is he's a a, a foot soldier. <laughs> that um, I guess it doesn't doesn't surprise me what you're saying, um, given some of the draft choices that Washington has made over the years. Uh, you know, clearly Dwayne Haskins falls into that category, for example. Uh, you know, the coaching st- – I like Dwayne Haskins personally, and rest in peace, but uh, the coaching staff obviously didn't want him, and it was clear. You know, it, it, he didn't he play with uh, Snyder's son, I think, or went to the same high school or something. High school, yeah. Yeah, whatever it was. So, I mean, there's that. So that doesn't surprise me. And it just it's just another nail in the coffin for him in terms of uh, judging what he's done. Uh, you, you know, that – good look. If you're ever in a position, if you fall into a few billion dollars, you want to buy a sports team, follow this advice. Hire a team president who's a very smart business guy and then hire a knowledgeable general manager and let them do their thing. You as an owner do not know anything about sports. You know business maybe because you are a billionaire, but you do not know sports. So hire somebody who does and stay out of it. The best owners do that. And if there's a tie that needs to be broken, they will break it. That's it. And the Snyder's fundamental mistake in the beginning was he treated it like, well, he had lots, lots of mistakes. But, uh, I mean, he treated it like fantasy football, uh, egomaniac, narcissist, you know, who's in the middle of everything. It was never going to go right. I said on the Hogs tie that 
I, I didn't predict, I don't think anybody predicted how wrong the Snyder era would go, but I did know from the beginning he wasn't going to be a good owner, but just because of some of the personnel choices they're making. You're going to bring in big-ticket old guys like Bruce Smith, uh, you know, Deion Sanders. You replaced a competent, solid quarterback in Jeff George with, or in uh, Brad Johnson with Jeff George. All those things in the beginning told, said, uh, this is probably going to go wrong, although I can't take credit for it to being a total train wreck like it was. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that's interesting. And I know, like, a lot of people are talking about when they knew type of narratives, you know. And I, I and I'm not patting myself on the back, but I had a real inkling early on. Once, once if, you, if you're kind of interested in the stuff that obviously Steve and I are interested in, the kind of behind the scenes, the business, the, like, yeah. why things happen, then if you were reading and paying attention, and listen, I was in a, I was still, a, I was a young man, but I was a man in 99, you know, or, you know, young man. You were an adult, so, yeah. Yeah. So I was paying attention to these things, and and at then I was like, this guy seems like a schmuck. Like th- th- that was my first reaction when he just just went like you know the bio and and how he made his money and like he looked like a his- schmuck even in the buying process. He looked like a schmuck, right? So I was like, I was like, ooh, this feels kind of gross. So I remember yeah. having that pretty early on. But you are exactly right, and we don't get too football in here. But going from going from what turns out to be the best season that this team has had in that stretch was that uh 99 10 and they 6 were a one missed kickoff away from being in the and missed field goal away from the NFC championship game exactly so and then you say the first my first move is to depose that quarterback also let's have a reminder the quarterback wilderness the team was in Prior to that, we we talk about the more modern versions of of quarterback winter, but we're talking about the John. Let, let me remind you of the John Freeze era. So <laughs> please don't. <laughs> so you know, so there was also a, a nuclear winter of quarterbacks before Brad Johnson too. So you, here you had this oasis, and yes, it, a, a competent top fifteen in the league guy was what we were celebrating. But he produced the best season this team has had in thirty years. And the first move was not only to bring in Jeff George on his fourth team at that point, third at the least, and you go to Jeff George to go, you know, away from Brad Johnson and all the reporting now, which has come up just because everyone's looking back, is that he tried to he not only did he bring in Jeff George to unseat him, he tried to retroactively have the trade blacked out when he first came in. He tried to have it, you know, just can we just rewind time? Can we hit 30 seconds back button? (laughs) <laughs> so all that to say, yeah, it, it, I, I thought, I, you know, when Howard Milstein got kicked to the curb by the NFL and you saw Snyder swoop in kind of slime ball like, I think that was my first clue. I mean, again, yeah. nobody could. If you were saying you predicted all of this that happened, you're lying. But that would have had. But that was kind of the first clue, I thought, um, to me. So. um the future and I, i'm still on snyder here what is snyder's future you think he's got his six billion he's paid his fine i think he still has the possibility of it, nothing's going to come from congress i mean the the committee has moved on it's under new leadership the republicans in charge of the house oversight committee are done with it and they correctly think that the congress shouldn't be investigating one company like that and they're right about that um, but he could still be open to a number of lawsuits. And, and if you recall, I think a part of the purchase, the price of what Harris paid was 250 million, which was kind of contingent. So I, I, I'm wondering if he's totally out of it now, or if he's still going to face a few residual lawsuits. And then two, are we ever going to hear from him ever again? Your thoughts on those? Yeah, I think, and I think this is going to go for fans too, right? And I, I have the sort of, uh, I want to turn the page, like you sort of mentioned, like this, let's just move on. But it, it, I think there will be a little bit of a, what do they call that when you bring someone out of a cult, right? They call that, uh, oh, like whatever. when they escape from Scientology or whatever. Yeah, and they have to, they when they have, that sort of like readmit you back into society. There's some like technical word for how they basically. Yeah, I can't remember, but yeah, yeah. To think like a human being. So, um, it's going to be a little bit of that, right? We're going to have a little PTSD. There's going to be a little, and so that means, you know, we're going to slavishly follow some of the like fumes from these lawsuits or like what happens to Snyder. So I think, I think for like a year or two, he'll be, he, he can't walk into the sunset and we won't let him, but I think it'll, 
it'll start to dissipate quickly. And I think given his deprogramming, deprogram, that's exactly yeah. what I meant. Right. So there's going to be a deep programming time for all of us, the media, the fans, but I think it'll be shorter than we expect. However, his malfeasance, and I would also predict coming divorce, are going to keep him in the um, they're going to keep him in the news, whether any of us want him to or not, including him. Well, that's you just said something I did. I wanted to address. I meant to mention pre-show. Far be it from us to know what really goes on in the Snyder household, but I find it almost impossible to believe that there's any chance that Tanya Snyder is going to stick around. She might have stuck with him because she's a loyal and maybe a good person, you know, during the controversy. But now that's over, now they have their money. Is there any chance she sticks around and supports a guy who, you know, brought a bunch of hookers into, uh, you know, around to Colorado and felt up Tiffany Johnson and all the rest of that stuff? I think, I think is a high likelihood that she's going to leave him. Yeah, I mean, he, to to kind of build on what you said around, like we don't know what happens in people's marriages, right? Like, who are we to come? I also don't that. really care either, right? So, but but the flip side of not knowing what goes on in the marriage is also we don't know how much she's like accepting of this because you know the well, money. It could be a Hillary so, Hillary Clinton situation, right? You know, yeah, we. <laughs> We have no idea what kind no. of arrangement. So that, that, so yes, I'll double down on that caveat. But I totally agree with your point. And you know, if you're thinking about this strategically, you know, you're certainly waiting for the, you know, after after uh, loan of uh, debt payouts and maybe some taxes, four hundred four and a half billion dollars to hit a bank bank account before you file for divorce, right? That would, you know, like, <laughs> I don't have to be a billionaire's wife to figure that one out. So. Um, so you would think, you know, when's the most advantageous time for this to be filed, which is probably even a year from now because you want some of the other stuff to shake out so you know right what you're going after in terms of the nest egg. So but I do I think it's a high probability that we're it maybe it's like I said, it, it might be two years from now when some dust is over and all that. But do I think we'll be reading stories about a Snyder divorce? I do. I do. Yeah. I, the fallout. She'd be wise to wait fallout. until the taxes the tax implications of the four and a half billion come to roost first. That's what I would do. Let that settle, get through the tax year and get that over with, you know, to share whatever burden there is. Cause you could hide some of it in the trust somewhere probably, but uh, you know, I mean, if, if they together end up paying 30%, you know, say as a, you know, married filing that all by itself, as opposed to, uh, you know, a single filer, you're going to save a lot of money. So uh, yeah, it won't happen immediately, but I don't I put it this way. I'm thinking they're probably in separate rooms on the yacht. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good, right. Maybe, say, you know, we might be going closer to sec, to, to uh, a second, two yachts. Yeah, separate, <laughs> separate yachts, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So laughing about their, their marriage in multiple yachts will be a way that we uh, turn the page. I'm sure that I'm sure. At least minimum the next year, we will have Snyder-related stories that will make our uh, rundown in future shows. But let's – so now we are in a new day, which is now – let's look at this. We now see a sports team – the highest – sell, you know, highest – biggest selling price for American sports franchise just hit $6 billion. We're in rarefied air, even for the NFL in terms of valuation, when we all know this was, you know, let, just imagine if Washington was a totally normal franchise, what the cost imagine would be. the Patriots sold. Right, exactly. So we, we all kinds of new frontiers on that front. And now, you, what does somebody do with a sports franchise in the NFL that's valued that much to rebuild it? You can make a case that this is a teardown, but you can also make a case that the fundamentals are strong. D.C., there still is tradition. I think we've even seen in the last 48, 72 hours that the, that, that the fan base is a sleeping giant. And some of the prospectus that the Harris Group was sending out to uh, potential investors a couple months ago talked about that very smartly. They said, hey, here's our analysis. We think with a couple easy flips of the switch, we can re-engage this fan base and start to print money. So what do they do? You know, this is a fascinating story. This is like, you know, they should do a reality show. This is like, you know, this is like, you know, the this is like the sports version of, you know, the, you know, rebuild it to list it, you know, home improvement show. 
Yeah, you could also compare it to like somebody who's suffered a trauma. Yeah. And if you know any like I'm a veteran, but I, I haven't gone through what some, you know, army you know, infantry troop, you know, has gone through. I don't proclaim to be that. Uh, but like what's happened to some of the and I don't even want to use that as an analogy. My point here is the fan base has undergone a trauma. And you can't just turn it off necessarily in a day. Um, what we saw this week was relief and joy um, at the dawning of a new day, but he still has work to do. You know, once you get over the euphoria of seeing Magic Johnson and his six nine glory, uh, you know, on a on a speech, at the end of the day, the fan base will want to see positive steps. And the problem here's the problem for Harris. He bought an asset, as you pointed out at the top of the market, right, from a price perspective. But he's not getting, even if you said that fundamentals are strong, he's not getting an asset that was at the top of the market. That's in great shape. And so he made an inefficient purchase. You know, it's like he bought a, a, a used car for top value, but it was a busted up used car. You know, that's kind of what, what he got here. And so there's a thin line to tread. And, and when you've got four point something billion dollars in debt service through him and his partners that's a lot of money you got to pay to banks or other lenders every single year that's hundreds of millions of dollars probably in debt service a year okay and so there's not as much wiggle room as you might think so i think job number one is to continue to rebuild the the trust of the fans yes he does have uh there was a euphoria and all of that but he's got to make some positive steps to show that this is now a professional organization that they're going to make. They actually care about winning again. And you have to show the fans that. But the downside is, especially with FedEx Field being a dump, it's going to be hard to do this. But the ticket prices are going to have to go up. They've got to have more income. You know, you you're not going to print money if you owe owing four billion dollars to banks. You have to have income. And so then what is that? You, you could build a stadium, uh, you know, if you want, because it'd be a whole separate financing and stuff, uh, you know, but then you're going to owe $6 billion in loans. And how expensive will the tickets have to be? And how expensive will the fans put up with before they get tired of that? Will they pay personal seat licenses? Because there's going to have to be more income. They can get more income from a whole new relationship with advertisers who are no longer afraid to deal with the team because of all the negative energy of the team, for sure. So that will increase. But they're going to have to charge the fans more money. And can he do that right off the bat, right at the first moment? I I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, I think I would, if I was, you know, if I was advised... (laughs) how funny even to say if i was advising josh harris here you know i would sort of break i would start to i'd wrap my head around it by let's let's divide things up in a short middle and long term right let's start with long term long term new stadium right but let's be honest about what i just categorized put that in long term that's years and we're you know they're at step one of that now they're in a much positive better place they're gonna have people lining up you know they're gonna be they're gonna have suitors not be out there begging so i understand all of that it's a different different way to enter that conversation that doesn't negate the fact that they are at the beginning of that conversation which is complex expensive and you know involves you know uh you know concrete and construction workers and tractors and all kinds of realities so that is long term yes for the multiple decade health of the team, they need a new stadium. But that's not fixing anything in the short term. It's not hang, helping him pay the debt relief. In, uh, in fact, it's increasing it. So that's long term, right? Then I'd say, so that's a, they know they have to sort that. They will. But you, everyone's going to have to be patient because that's not solving any problems anytime soon. Then you look at midterm. I'll kind of backwards design this. Midterm, I do think, is the brand, is the name. Now, how that materializes, we're not sure. It could materialize that they actually end up saying, we have to stick with commanders and here's Magic why. Johnson said something to the effect, yeah. or Harris said something like, we're going to listen They've to all the hinted. or something like that. They've yeah. all hinted. So we know it's, we, but but that's also, you can't, that, they're not going to flip the switch tomorrow and be able to sell new merchandise not, and get people can excited. Can I stop you real fast? Yeah. It's not possible 
to flip the switch right now, okay? It's too close to the season. The trademarks couldn't be done. Uh, the NFL doesn't is not going to let that happen right now. You're really talking next year at the earliest for that, but go ahead. Yeah, so that's midterm. But I think you know, they could do some things to signal it and all that, but I think that's – but that's something they're going to have to figure out. But that's going to take them a little while, right? That's going to, you know, that no, that's not. So the solutions, which is he said that they can focus on right now, are vibes that are helped by winning, but not winning only because being just competitive and not embarrassing. That's the thing on their short-term moves, which are improve the stadium experience right away. I thought the new railings were a hysterical uh, troll, by the way. Um, what? They put already had arranged to put new railings up inside F. That oh. <laughs> you're the famous, you know, uh, Jalen uh, Hurts yeah, falling the, and all that. Yeah, the fans. So they, so that that was just a, it was hysterical, you know. Like, but that actually the bar is so low on stadium experience, not embarrassing on the field, not being embarrassing off the field on like a 24 hour news Don't cycle. Dump raw sewage on fans and let right. them fall off a railing. <laughs> and that's where, so on the short term stuff, and you heard Harris say it, I actually think there's a, that's where they can, they can actually get a fast because there's such a low bar, right? Not having stale beer, not having sewage dumped on you. You know, there are, there, I, and I think that's where they can make up some short term, if they do the right things. Now, to your point, all the things I'm suggesting are going to cost money. They're going to have to go sign Cameron Curl. They're going to have to put millions of dollars into the stadium to just make it a better experience by September. They do cost money, but I do think there is a lot equals not that hard to do and are just like normal that they can actually get some fast gains quickly if they're willing to spend in the front end and take that pain as part of the purchase cost, basically. And they're going to have to be on a charm offensive 24-7. Well, that's what Magic Johnson is for, okay? So I would go back to the Los Angeles Dodgers. A guy named Frank McCourt owned the Dodgers, what, 10 years or something like that ago. He was a total slime ball, Dan Snyder-level slime ball. Uh, and a guy named Stan Kasten, who runs a fund with the name Guggenheim in it, um, bought the team. He brought Magic Johnson in on this. Magic uh, paid like $50 million, I think, and it was $2 billion purchase price. So you can do the math on how much that costs. You know, that's two and a half, what's 5%, you know, basically, I think. Uh, and and um, he did a lot of PR work in the beginning did a lot of the talking to the press and the fans in the beginning, and now you never see him. Now he's not involved at all. I mean, he may be involved behind the scenes, but he doesn't do anything with the Dodgers. He showed up at the World Series. That was about it. What The same thing is happening now. You saw Magic was, along with Harris and a couple of those other owners, public facing. You throw the star basketball player with a million-dollar smile up there, and they're going to get they're going to use him to get through the PR offensive in the beginning because everybody loves Magic Johnson. You can't not even if you're a Celtics fan, the guy's got a ton of charisma. And so they'll use him to get past that. He will probably fade away at some point. Um, but yeah, so that's that and, and the money. He's got to know they have to put money into things. This, he's not dumb. They knew this ahead of time. So they probably plan to do some things, the basic easy things, like you fix the stadium up, like you said, sign some of the players, curl, you know, a couple others um, that people like. You can do some really basic things to set the tone. Hope and pray that the team is good. What would really help us is the team is good on the field. I don't know if they will. And they have a shot. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, I don't but know. even an 8 9 season helps them. Does it though? I mean, that's just like yeah, any it other does. Season. If they're, I guess, but if they're not, if 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 it's a competitive eight and nine, and it's a fun stadium, it because uh, it, it, it definitely helps them because yeah. no one because there's still a low expectation there. So if they if they fought their guts out and you know were in the playoff race to the last couple of weeks, um, and then it, you allow Ron Rivera to ride off in the sunset without being a complete embarrassment, that's a win, right? Yeah. So that's the short term stuff and the midterm stuff with the name. Um, I think if I was advising, I would advise them to definitely change the name. Again, it can't be done right now. Um, but I think the, the name Commanders needs to go. Uh, you know, nobody likes the name. It has this stench of the Snyder, like the desperation of the Snyder area. Um, change it to something that has 
some connection to the you can't go back to Redskins and you can never go home again with that but something that connects better with the history of the franchise you know I you know I don't know Warriors Red Tails Red Hawks whatever Red Wolves Hogs. Hogs something like that would be I think would go down far better with the fan base and so that yeah I, I like your the way you framed it short term mid term long term the short term is easy you know some of those basic things mid term rebrand and start kind of this is sort of an expansion franchise already so rebrand the front expansion franchise and the long term is you get a new stadium nothing good ever happened in at FedEx Field it's a dump have a brand new day brand new stadium that's going to take at least four years oh in the best case scenario in the best believe me i do stay i do this for a living okay it will be that's in the best case scenario in the shortest wait time possible four years and probably longer so that is a long-term strategy but you do all those things and i think people will forget about the snyder era and then more importantly Josh Harris will actually have some money to make some money and pay off all this debt service. Yeah, and you get to see if they did a rebrand, and I won't, I won't speak to that what I mean by that in a second. But if they did that successfully, that would be an influx. That would be a short term or midterm, like I already influx of cash too, because you could actually do that well and actually be a bit of a you know like a new revenue stream with the excitement around that. And I think what they can do short term on that front. Is because all the reasons you said it, 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 it's a year minimum on the rebrand. Tell people you're, which I think they're already doing. Tell people that you're thinking about it. Tell people that you're, you're planning for it. Look at, you're looking at contingencies. They basically you're, you know, did hint around about yeah, that. Exactly. This week. So that's almost enough in the short term um, just to get, to get people excited. And I think they also have been careful about calling it. Well, first of all, notice Josh Harris has been very careful about using the word commanders. You don't hear commanders by this new group that much. Now, sometimes it's unavoidable, you know, so I'm not saying you never hear it. But they but avoided it, it. It's not front-loaded. Yeah. That, to me, was also like a little bit of something I picked up on. But you tell people that you are investigating it. Also, they said rebrand. Rebrand might mean commander stays, but they go back to burgundy and gold. They put a, a feather on on a on, on a um, C. They, you know, the, 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 the thing... This is again where this is the the low bar theater is on there on you know helping them that rollout that name everything about it Professor Tully or whatever Tuggy whatever all everything that happened the 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 unexcitement of the day was so pathetic it's so amateur hour it looks horrible they could just say you know what Commanders is here to stay but you know old color scheme better you know they did all of that so poorly to walk fans. Uh, what you and it was one of the most sophisticated things that needed to be done in sports to get that right, which which we knew was never going to happen given that leadership. But you have a little bit of a redo, even if Commanders ends up being the end game, you have a chance to do some of that stuff that you would have needed to do better, and they should at least take the opportunity to to do that. I, if it were me, I'd advise them just dump Commanders. Really, me too, uh, me too. But I'm just saying, it's still an opportunity where you can. Do things even slightly better. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we'll see. I, I think what we've learned, and I give uh, my colleague Dave Earl, you know, is the one who's pointed a lot of this out because he lives in Philadelphia. Um, there were some starts and stops with the 76ers. You know, uh, they, they made some wrong moves in personnel, and, you know, um, uh, Harris had to fire the, you know, the general manager of the, of the uh, Sixers. Uh, but they eventually got it right, but it wasn't like a dramatic blow up the you know blow up the farm right off the top. It was kind of a slow burn, professionally done, cautious, step by step sort of thing. And I would assume that's what we're going to see from here. So I would advise him to maybe take a bit of a more dramatic approach. Uh, sometimes an asset is just so rotten that it's just better to just start over. And so if it were me, I'd probably get rid of everybody who's left over, you know, of the key people and just start over anew. But I don't think he's going to do that. I think it's going to be a slow walk to a, a cautious rebuild. I agree. I agree. Uh, the NFL is always faster. So I think a version of that in the NFL is still faster. You know, it's still going to probably happen a little quicker. But I agree that that'll be the approach. 
um, and then see the context of the different leagues, how fast or slow it actually it actually goes. Um, the other thing I thought about what you know, because you know, I'm sure you know some people wanted. I'm sure that the Harris Group even considered just a mass firing, right? With just you know, now football is a little tougher, but you could have gotten rid of the right and staff or whatever. You could have you know, you could have cleaned house right at the top. And I thought about why they didn't do that because you could make plenty of cases to why you would do that, right? But that we also have to think about the trauma and the abuse and just the how much it would have sucked to work in that organization as just a normal person, normal job, mid-level manager, you know, working in the apparatus. He couldn't they couldn't lose that room immediately. Right. Because those people wanted Snyder gone too, right. Like, they, they, you know, in fact, probably more than more, more viscerally than, anybody, than most probably. of us. Yeah. Yeah. So. He couldn't walk in there, lop off a bunch of bosses, fire half the place, and win the. He's got to win Ashburn first before anything else, and uh, and so and you saw some of that footage, which I think they were smart to release about the reception they got when they did that first staff meeting, which I think they did before the press conference. That I hadn't seen. Yeah, they they released some footage from that, um, Matt, including Magic. So they needed to, they needed those warm vibes. They could not just fire half the staff. Now they may fire half the staff over the next 18 months, obviously, but they needed, they needed the triumphant walk in for the business and the employees as well. And I kind of was like, my biggest hats off moment to them is actually how they hand they've, they've handled the internal. You can tell that that same euphoria is inside the building. Yeah, that's fair enough. And, and, and I, know, they're clear. I didn't know they're probably getting most, you know, they're on thin ice and they're still happy. I wasn't talking about firing the secretaries. I, what I meant was he's got to get his key people in place and I would do it sooner rather than later. That's what I'm talking about. But ta- he also can't fire about, the person running ticket sales either right well, now. Well, I wasn't or talking about walking in boxes. day one and having a yeah. meeting and firing. That's not what I meant. But what I meant was I think he's got to get his team in place fairly quickly to make his own mark. That's what I'm trying to say. But I do think I've not seen this video, but if, if, if the vibe is what you say it is, and I'm sure it was, then that's a lot of credit to him, you know, to allow himself to ride in as the conquering hero instead of, you know, Genghis Khan moving in, you know, right. And he still needs two thirds of those people probably when he brings in his own people, his own leaders. Right. So he needs, you know, that person, his new leaders, like reports, and staff that they manage need to be on board, you know, for those leaders to be accepted. So he's also like a little bit of that, get the rank and file on board. So when I bring my people in, they're ready to work for them. Yeah. 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 That's fair enough. Um, So lots of good stuff. Lots of stuff we'll be reporting on. I think, you know, the railings to me in the stadium were, were, were funny, but they also were a clue that they've got stuff. They know they're going to pull the trigger on fast. That to me was a signal. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. There'll be plenty to report. It's a new day. I think it's one thing we didn't talk about, which you could talk about quickly, is how good for the league this is. I mean, and I think this was the other kind of thing that most people don't necessarily see because it's not as obvious. But the NFL couldn't afford to have the nation's capital and the size of the media market to be this big a crater in their collectivist business approach. It was hurting them. And that was a driver here. Well, yeah, and it wasn't just hurting them. I mean, it was turned into a total train wreck. Right. Uh, you know, and no, that was not good for the league, and they made that abundantly clear. I mean, it's a major market. It was, it's a, you know, remember, I mean, the Redskins go back to the Boston Braves in 1932. I mean, the team's nearly 100 years old. One of the, not original, original teams, but one of the, you know, principal teams that grew the, that created the league we know today back in the forties, uh, you know? So, yeah, I, I think the, the NFL recognized the need to have a, at a minimum, a competent organization in Washington, DC. Yeah. It was hurting, but it was, it was affecting everyone's bottom line. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So speaking of bottom lines, we've got one more story that's fascinating. That is ongoing. We talked about it last time. We'll be talking about it for weeks. Um, you know, and part of the biggest, bigger streaming wars, you know, as we as the streaming wars ebb and flow, I think we're getting into the like, okay, the big streamers have gotten too big. There's too much overhead. They're too big empires with too much disparate um, opinions, content, audiences, etc. And you're going to start to see like some breaking up or some licensing out. And Disney, which you know for you know is one of those big big players, 
kind of had a little bit, Bob Iger had a little bit of a tell as word got around on multiple fronts that they were looking to do something with ESPN, license it out, sell it, bring in partners. Um, and basically, to me, this is Bob Iger dangling one of the more profitable, uh, one of the more uh, attractive entities in their holdings and seeing what they can do to leverage it or to just send it off so that they, you know, because I think all these big streamers know that they're too far over their skis. They got, they're got they into too much. So they either need help in financing parts of the kingdom or they need to sell the kingdom. And I think it's not, you're not, it's not, it's not Iger selling off a weak asset. It's how to leverage a strong asset is my read. Yeah. If you want to read about some of this, um, there are multiple stories, but the one that's in front of me is from CNBC. ESPN held talks with, NBA, NFL, and MLB in search for strategic partner sources, say, by Alex Sherman, published on the 21st of July. And maybe one of these days we'll get Alex Sherman on the show to talk about this. Um, so to set the stage here, Disney is in a heap of trouble. They've lost a fortune, all these self-inflicted wounds. They've made a bunch of really stinker, terrible movies that have tanked in the box office and lost a ton of money. Um, simultaneously, they've promoted um, Disney Plus poorly, and it, it's lost a ton of subscribers in part due to the poor content they've made. They put this billion-dollar Star Wars hotel up, which I could have told them was a mistake, uh, and that is closing also. So they, so Disney, from what I have read, is in desperation mode and needs cash. Um, you know, because of all the money they've lost. And so one of the things they're doing is considering selling off ESPN in whole or in part because they need the cash. So the interesting part of and so that's so in the way they phrased it in this column and other and other places is they want a strategic partner. That's not to say they wouldn't just sell it off in total if someone offered enough money, but a strategic partner means they're willing to sell off a piece of it to get ESPN the brand in to some other and to some other product okay that's what they're talking about and they're talking about Iger's talking about turning ESPN into streaming only which is interesting but the bigger story I thought was offering strategic partners at the NFL NBA and MLB um, meaning that they're offering let those leagues buy a piece of ESPN with the goal ultimate goal obviously of having ESPN be basically the principal provider of live sporting events in those leagues. Now, the NFL, none of those leagues can do that right now because they've got a bunch of media contracts, but it's a long play is what it is. Um, it, you know, And so the future may be save Disney by selling off a piece of ESPN, turning it saving costs by turning it into a streaming-only platform and bringing in partners which reduce the licensing fees Bringing in leagues as partners, which reduce the licensing fee. So all that is designed to get Disney out of the morass of cash that they're currently in. Yeah, I just think it's, you know, how do we leverage leverageable assets to restructure? I think it's pretty simple. You know, I mean, the com the details are complex and the reasons might be complex, but I think the, the output the is aren't simple. Complex. The reasons are they need money. Yes, they're course. losing a fortune. Um, they need money. That's the reason. Yeah. So um, I think it, and so you can sort of see their strategy in three ways where any of these potential paths are, they're open to outright sale, licensed partnership to bring in cash, or quite frankly, with the leagues, I think is like, how do we reduce overhead? Right. How do we That's keep what I'm talking about? It would yeah. reduce the licensing fees. Yeah. So I think, but to me, it's like they're open to any of those three paths, right? new partners to bring in cash, sell it outright or reduce costs. So like they're, they're open to any of those paths that help right now. They know ESPN is a profit center for whatever their empire transforms into. And, um, and that can go in a couple different ways and they're open to all of them. I think it, it's, it's, it's super interesting. Um, and I think, 
You look at the sports leagues, the one that might be the most willing to listen is probably Major League Baseball because what's happening with the regional sports networks and Major League Baseball probably wanting to get into centralizing the broadcasting rights anyway. You can make a case that Major League Baseball has been the most innovative in terms of their website and in terms of how they've licensed their product and, and kind of itemized it already. Um, and we're the first into streaming to a large degree of the major. So you could see that they might be the most ready. So you could imagine pretty easily a kind of streaming first, buy package to your team, get access to all the ancillary content. You could imagine, because they're going to have a need with the collapse of the regional sports networks for this kind of arrangement soon. And I would not be shocked if we're seeing some kind of, you know, ES some version of this where major league baseball actually bites. Yeah. I'd find it less like it. The NFL would do this just because they've got so many long-term media contracts set up, but you're, I think you're right in saying that MLB is a lot more in flux and I, and their media contract is being, we've talked about this. Their media contract is open now. And so the idea of just buying a piece of ESPN, dumping most of their games onto ESPN's, projected new streaming you know bigger and better streaming service um and not maybe not replacing you know the uh mlb tv stuff but um maybe you know just, just kind of combine them yeah right just kind of combine them and make them one thing e the espn you know the mlb tv provided by espn or i don't know but I, yeah, I think that's fairly likely. I'm not aware of the NHL's TV. We've never really done a deep dive into the NHL's TV. Um, well, they're split on TNT and ESPN right now. Yeah, but I don't know how long those contracts are, how much money it is. We haven't yeah. really dove into that. But I do know the NFL would be very, very difficult you know, to do that for sure. So I think that's probably the, the least likely. Um, but... And the, the NBA's other... in the catbird seat right now because they really are in negotiating. So they're not going to, right? you know, they'll listen. They might be, you know, maybe this is part of this. But the, the NBA's, they, they can be picky and choosy, and I don't see that being the best offer in front of them. But the other interesting part of this, which we haven't mentioned yet, is turning it into a streaming-only platform. That's interesting because ESPN makes a lot of money on licensing fees for cable television. They're, they are on the base package of every major cable platform. The reason is that they're expensive. And so the cable platforms make all their customers buy it, whether you want to or not. And so taking it off of that is them playing a long game and believing, like Chris has said forever on this show, that cable TV will die, uh, you, you know, or at least not be resurrected in a different form, perhaps. And so I think that's Disney trying to thread that needle and kind of looking 10 years down the road a little bit. And that's why if they had a partner like a major league baseball, then you could almost siphon that off, right? You could still say, you know, your ESPN proper through Deportes is still available. And we're still going to collect carriage fees until the last dollar can be pried out of the carriage fees hand. Right. So, but we, you know, let's just take the major league baseball, but it could be any of these potential partnerships. We're going to shave off, ESP, MLB on ESPN, ESPN on MLB, whatever, like, you know, co-branded thing that is. And that be this, the streaming only piece. And then for the real diehards, you're going to get them over the barrel because they're going to probably keep their their cable and they're probably going to subscribe to, you know, what various package. It might be your team only. It might be everything baseball, whatever. Right. You know, Steve's raising his hand there on the, on the video. So I think they will... I think that, and then they'll see how that performs. I think they'll, I think you'll have a very, they will, which is kind of ironic because this is how Disney, this is actually where Disney's in problem with their overall streaming philo uh, philosophy is because they're in too many places, right? They're, you know, Disney's Hulu, that Hulu includes FX, Hulu includes uh, a bunch of different. Uh, you know, brands underneath them in terms of, but then it's also Disney plus why aren't, you know, but then there's ESPN plus, can I buy the bundle? Can I buy them? Like it makes no sense. So like some of this is just consolidation from a, a consumer acquisition standpoint. Right. And that, so in a way, do they, do they siphon them off? But I think we will see if this were to happen, it, they would very carefully firewall it from what's offered on cable until the very last cent. Yeah, I think so. It is interesting, though. I do, it, it, the even since the last time we did the show, which we talked about many of these issues, like 
the the for rent for rent sale by lease or donation sign is on the ESPN lawn <laughs> <laughs> for rent or for sale. Yeah, you t- you tell us. <laughs> <laughs> Just give us money, please. Yeah. <laughs> um, and again, you know, we said this last show. We said it again this show. I think this is more speaking to what that they think this is one of their more monetizable assets, not the reverse. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so Steve. Any uh, Harris implication changes at the Hogsty? Well, uh, you know, not for the show. Um, certainly, it's the dawning of a new day, as everything as we've talked about. So we will have a lot more about uh, the reign of Josh Harris with the Washington team uh, coming up on the show. Um, those are released every Thursday, and we have all of our regular written content, which will certainly include lots of Harris talk uh, this week. Awesome. So hopefully you're, I hope you're talking about a cam curl extension and a uh, veteran depth offensive line signing. Well, Alex has written 1300 words on special teams that I have not read yet. So that'll be out in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> I think that's where Harris is diving in immediately, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the gunner? Um, all right, Steve. So we will see you in two weeks.